0: Welcome to episode 18 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC Anime Universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, for our few lovely listeners out there, uh, bear with us a little bit. We've changed our audio setup, so we're trying a totally new thing. So if there's some strange audio inconsistencies for the next few weeks, uh, that is entirely my fault, and I appreciate your patience. But that aside, that little little bit of business up front aside, we got two... We have one good episode this week. Yeah, one and, and, sorry, one good episode and one good idea. Good idea. E- execution maybe
1: not so much. But I have to say I did I did like the laughing fish a lot though. I think it was it was I enjoyed it. But I think it might have been kind of upon first watch it was like overhyped for me a little bit. Okay. Because yeah, I'd fine. heard a lot of stories like oh, this is like such a great Joker storyline. And for like a Joker plot, it's not great it's funny it's it's, it's weird. weird it's, it's very, very weird yeah yeah maybe not his weirdest, but it's up there right but just the execution of it was so good like we yeah. see paul dini and bruce tim are working together again and it's, it's always a good sign
0: yeah so to kind of get into what happens real quick so atypical intro
1: the only cool. animated one no no well no. i guess are you talking freeze, Cause- freeze is animated barely animated i i think do we have a conversation this
0: podcast before about uh the visual equivalent of diegetic or is that on something else
1: i don't think so because i don't know what that means
0: okay uh so diegetic is a term basically uh in a film if diegetic sound is like if a song is playing on an actual radio in someone's car oh okay. that's a diegetic sound mm-hmm. and then compared to the score of a movie which is non-diegetic so basically is it in the world of the the, the film Or is it not? Um, And so I've had this conversation some before about what's the visual equivalent of diegetic. It might also be diegetic. And I think I looked it up and I think I've forgotten. But the intro is part of the world. So Like it opens on the swinging laughing fish sign. Mm -hmm. And then the credits roll over that and we kind of pan over and we're in the world already. So it's not a title card, which makes it atypical. Right. That was long winded.
1: No, I thank you for explaining that (laughs) because I learned something. Oh, I taught you something. That didn't have to do with random celebrity references. You don't teach me those. You just mock me on
0: not knowing those. That's absolutely true. I do nothing constructive. Yeah. At, um, <laughs> ever. But anyway, so uh, typical visual storytelling style. We just see a newspaper Joker still at large um, and we're at the docks because we're always at the docks and a fishing trawler rolls in and dumps a whole bunch of fish onto the deck and they're all have the Joker smile on them. Batman takes the fish back um, and Dissects it basically at the cave. I one thing I like is that he clearly understands the Joker's motives because he's explained Alfred like the Joker's insane schemes make sense sometimes to him alone. Mm-hmm. And then you're right; it goes straight to the
1: super spinning newspaper.
0: And I had those headlines written down. I deleted them out of my notes, but it was basically just like
1: harbor's full of smiley fish. Is this another crazy Joker scheme? Yeah, it probably. What I, what I enjoyed about this is. For such not a small act, but for such a weird act, the whole city is in fear, and you yeah. see the power Joker has in Gotham, where he can literally do anything, and the whole city just goes crazy. Yeah, people are they, really freaking they out. Kind about of this. like bar their doors, they prepare themselves for the worst. Yeah, because anyone could be the target.
0: You're right. It, it finally shows on like a broad scale what his menace is. Ironically, for one of his
1: less menacing. Schemes, right? Um, and I think I think it shows the idea of Joker. That's true. It does is, show is that what really is well. The point of this episode, yeah,
0: because his his scheme is he goes to the copyright office to a uh, Mr. Francis and basically tells him, "I want to copyright my face, like the smiling fish, and then anyone who eats fish or buys fish will owe me money." And
1: Francis's point is, well, it's a natural resource; you can't copyright it, right? To which he does not appreciate that. He says the, the lovely joke about the copyrighted character that he can't mention, the colonel. Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. The colonel's got the chicken. Yeah. That's, that was really good. And they don't even have the mustache. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's fun to hear uh, a show reference kind of a product that they can't actually talk about. Uh, weirdly enough, which is going on like in the world right now. You've been following the Wendy scandal. We're gonna. We're gonna oh, at. oh. Uh, I just been seeing they've been just Not scandal. They've been trolling people on Twitter. I read a little bit of it. Yeah. They they mention. It. I don't remember which mascot it is. Um, oh. But they can't actually use the name, so they like describe the mascot instead. Oh, they can't say Ronald McDonald. Yeah. We can say Ronald McDonald. No, I just couldn't remember who. Okay. I don't think it was Ronald McDonald. It was some other company's the mascot. The Burger King King. I don't remember. <laughs> The Taco Bell Chihuahua? No, you're too young for Rest that. How? I'm <laughs> th- four years younger than you. That Chihuahua was prominent from like 1996 through 2003 when he died. Oh. <laughs> All right, I think. It's like asking if I know what the Warner Brothers uh, frog is. Does he have like, a name? He does. I don't remember it. Yeah, so I could ask you about the
0: Warner Brothers frog and you would. Can you tell me the name? No, but you don't know the name. <laughs> He just he this
1: When along. did he go out of commission? Oh, fuck if I know. 2006. Wait, the one with the top hat? and Yes. Hello, came? my baby. Hello, my honey. Yeah. Well, Hello, my ragtime doll. Well, he was never a real frog, though. was an animated frog. He's still a mascot. But he didn't die like the Chihuahua. No, I said
0: decommissioned. Oh, okay. I think that's what they probably described the Chihuahua, too. Is The Chihuahua was decommissioned. Yeah. <laughs> so Batman. So, so Batman. So uh, Francis has till midnight to change his mind. And we learned that the fish aren't poisoned and the Joker puts out a commercial across all channels because he has an amazing ability to hijack Gotham air and television. Waves. Kind of anything. Yeah. Really anything he wants. So France is under police protection.
1: And it was Michigan J Frog, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was bothering me. No, I'm so happy. So happy you've looked that
0: up. I've probably never even heard that phrase. Never even heard the name. Michigan J. Frog. Michigan. Michigan. Like the state. Like the state. There's probably a story behind that. I don't know. I'll let you look it up. I'll look it up after this. But uh, so Batman (laughs) sneaks into Francis's house using his patented costume over costume method. So this time in a police uniform and hat, which he just tears away which makes me then think, is that a stripper's costume that he's wearing? I really hope so. Because he doesn't, like, you know, pull off the jacket, pull off the pants. He literally just pulls it apart. Yeah. And it, from what I recall, there's not really even a tearing like sound. It just pulls away. Mm-hmm. So either he bought a stripper's police uniform or he custom makes tear-away cop uniforms. Do you think he makes Alfred sit there and, like... Sew them
1: back together? So, because he probably... No, I'm sure he has just a closet of each costume.
0: Right, but... Just make them tear away, though. So he probably has to buy them in bulk, like we see in Batman Begins. He has to order, like, 10,000 units. So he probably orders, like, 10,000 police stripper costumes to avoid suspicion. Mm-hmm. And then has Alfred sit there and hand re them one by one so they can well, tear what away. What else is Alfred going to do?
1: He's got silver to polish. He's no nothing happens in that house. That's absolutely true. While, especially while Bruce is gone, that you, nothing no, is happening. He's got a lot of time just sitting
0: around waiting for Bruce to show up with a gunshot wound.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's stab, stab wound, or he's poisoned, or a broken heart. Sometimes you know, a broken heart. Even Batman get amnesia. <laughs> There's a random kid Bruce has brought home. He's probably- Sometimes he trains them to be Robin. <laughs> sometimes they're just there to steal things and then alfred has to go clean up the dishes that yeah are covered in grimy child fingerprints he does he
0: does have a lot of free time on his hands sad lonely life for alfred pennyworth sewing away tear away costumes but anyways so batman breaks in uh and he's like well if the joker got in i could get in but the joker doesn't have to get in because instead at the stroke of midnight he launches a marlin missile from the roof of his van yep And it releases a gas, which doesn't affect anyone, but it reacts to the perfume that Harley sprayed on Francis earlier in the office to form a binary compound that makes him go all jokered out,
1: Mm -hmm. which is one of the creepiest transformations we've seen. It really was. Yeah. A cool camera angle for this where it's kind of like lower three fourths and you just see like all of the lines emerging on his face and they kind of play with contrast and it just is very, very dark and yeah, it's, sinister. It's really visceral. Like mm-hmm. I got, I like squirmed a little bit watching it. Like, yeah. It, it's, uh, we've talked about
0: the fact they can't show blood, but like this was their way of, like pushing the boundaries a little bit in terms of the ratings. Cause mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. I don't, do, I don't know if they do, I don't
1: know if they do a transformation that close up after this, Not where it's usually, remember. cause usually at least in the movies from what i remember or in the animated films from what I remember, they like, are hit with the smoke and then when the smoke fades they're just already laughing
0: yeah they just kind of um like in phantasm mm-hmm. he's just laughing and laughing and laughing and he's got the the grin but it you looks natural ish yeah. whereas this guy like his face is like like it's like veins were popping out and mm-hmm. it's, it's like his face is twisting and contorting yeah yeah it's pretty fucked up actually but so they failed to well, they save him, but the
1: guy, Francis, still got hit. Yeah. So Joker goes back in the broadcast is like, all right, guys, now you got till three. And he picks just another random like, I guess, accountant.
0: Yeah, it's the, the second in command, I guess, like the second behind... I wasn't quite sure. Fran- I
1: don't know. Another random guy. Another, another random guy. Uh, so they, they're they at the house. They brought... They... You know, all the police are there. They're like, nothing is going to happen. Yeah, we're safe. Then um, you see this ominous cat walk in. Oh, yeah, that cat. Uh, so he walks into the house. Cat is chewing on a joker fish, goes mad, and jumps on Batman. And Batman suddenly gained, like, 50 pounds. 50 pounds. And we find out that the... The accountant that they're protecting, Bruce has changed into another costume to look like the accountant, and the accountant guy was dressed as the Batman yeah. in the Batman suit. Yeah, so it's basically switched. So
0: did you see the first twist coming that it was them swapping disguises? No. You didn't? No. I see really for me it was really overly telegraphed. So the guy who's sitting in the chair, the guy who's supposed to be the the, the copyright accountant or whatever. He talks, but his, we don't see his mouth move because it's covered by the wing of the chair. And then like Batman's in the background. So like they were very deliberately making it so you couldn't associate a voice with a character. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, clearly they've swamped. But then I didn't see the second twist coming of the cat
1: still going for going its intended target. I was like, oh. So they were clever. I I, yeah, they were. I didn't even think about it when the only time when I'm like something is off is when Batman the animation changed and he was suddenly fat because like, it was like he was scratched because he, he looks normal and then the cat jumps and it scratches Batman and then he walks into the light and I'm like, I don't know what kind of venom that cat had in its claws, but it sucks. It's fat Batman. Yeah, yeah. it's man. It's Batman. Fat man on Batman. <laughs> Shout out Kevin Smith.
0: So, uh, yeah, the cat gets him and Bullock's like, this is bullshit. You guys aren't doing your jobs. I'm going to go figure this out. And he skulks off. uh, And Batman realizes that the fish that the cat brought in is a Japanese tang. Mm -hmm. It's rare. So it only could have come from the aquarium, which, of course, where Bullock went because he also figured that out. Yep. But he's also an idiot and gets captured and dangled over a shark tank. But the Joker decides to just wait for Batman
1: before. Well, yeah, because Bullock isn't his isn't his target. That's true. He doesn't really give a shit, I guess, about Bullock. Right. But and like what I think what's the quote in. Dark Knight, or like, what's, I don't think it's in Dark Knight. There's, in some medium, Batman, or Joker has a quote, like, what's the point of doing anything if there's not an audience? Oh,
0: I don't know, I'm not sure what that's from. I don't think it's the Dark Knight, but that's a good point. I
1: don't know. Uh, but that's, it's kind of his whole thing, is he's a public insane person. That's true. Doing anything in private isn't, isn't worth it. He needs his pulpit. Yeah. So he decides to wait for Batman
0: to get there, and of course, Batman gets there. Mm-hmm. So then Batman shows up
1: agrees to take harvey's place he gets handcuffed and thrown into the tank yeah and then bullock is like no batman you can't and then joker just kicks bullock into the tank as well Uh, and in with like a big old slab of raw steak yeah like raw hamburger meat
0: which draws the shark's attention but then i'm gonna let you describe it how does he how does batman get
1: out of this cameron uh this is this is a great scene i think (laughs) uh and i feel like i've seen it repeated a couple times i feel like i have too i don't know where but i know it's been done yeah uh batman uses his handcuffs to kind of make a a mouth trap basically like a a bit like for horses yeah uh but for the shark so it's a metal bit and he uses it to slam the shark into the glass the glass shatters and basically the whole place floods which I don't think makes sense because it's only one tank. Harley falls from the, from the chaos and she grabs the other two henchmen. They all go falling. I don't know what, what part you're trying to, to get me to, to get. It was more it was more just uh Batman riding the shark around yeah. in the tank. All I could think about this whole time was the shark repellent i, I didn't you. even think about oh, that man. oh my god What? Yeah, it's you know it's the most iconic scene i feel like of the 1966 batman <laughs> and i never it never even crossed my mind like, just, batman wasn't prepared i did love
0: too that because my thought was well now this this innocent frankly it's an innocent shark is going to oh, be no. they, stuck, they cover their tracks they cover their tracks because the water flows out the door bring the shark with it and just dumps him into the ocean yeah well, that's convenient. So convenient. So, <laughs> or he can die because it's not his natural habitat. Yeah. So convenient. So then uh, the Joker escapes up into the roof. Batman goes after them. There's a, a dramatic fight. It actually, it, it does play out kind of dramatically. Like, mm-hmm. this is a very atmospheric episode. Like, they're up on the roof. It's yeah. like lightning's going on in the sky. Like... The Joker's cackling and going crazy. He grabs a wrench trying to beat the shit out of Batman, which is kind of typical, but it had a weird quality to it, right? Like Well,
1: I um I read a little snippet of uh Bruce Tim talking about this episode and he mm-hmm. since it is kind of like a sillier plot, he focused a lot more on the cinema no, cinematography for this. Oh yeah. Which definitely that. plays out. Like you yeah. see it a lot more. Like this feels kind of out of its time, like comparing it to other yeah. Batman episodes. It feels like a an episode we'd see now, yeah. Where you know it' more is thought out in the cartoon. I, I think even down to like we talk about the title card at the beginning, mm-hmm. like that's was almost kind of
0: a visual statement on their part too. Like that's a much more cinematic way to start the episode. Yeah, it's a weird one. I I did kind of like it, but so but the the fight ends with Joker jumping into the water and mm-hmm. like oh did he make it or not? Yeah, of course he. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. Um, you know, with Harley like at the docks crying about her poor poor Puddin, which. Mm-hmm. I think, again, first time she refers to him as Puddin'.
1: Yeah, she, she always said Mr. J in the last episode. Yeah, so
0: it's like the the first time that we see that she kind of loves him. Yeah, it is. It was kind of a dark episode, though, between... Because it is a silly plot, admittedly. Oh, but, yeah. But you're right, it is pretty dark. I mean, the, like, the gruesome transformation. Even the cat. The cat's really creepy looking. Like, yeah. Really evil. I guess, so it's... it's This was an actual plot from the comics. Right. The laughing Fish. I think it was like Detective Comics four seventy five and four seventy six. I guess a little bit based off of the Joker's five way revenge.
1: Team. Yeah. So the first half of the episode, the the fish part was based off of the Laughing Fish comic. Okay. And the second half, which I assume is the warehouse scene with the shark, and or, the the rooftop scene. I think that is based or, off the five way revenge. Or
0: was it more? I, I thought I wrote this down, and I seem maybe I, I I can't find it in my notes, but um, Batman is explaining to Francis why the Joker's doing it. Cause Francis is like, why me? I, I he knows I can't oh, change yeah. the law. And he's like, I'm, I'm powerless. And that's, that's the, the joke. That's the joke. That's why it's funny to him It's cause he knows you can't do anything about it. And he's still going to torture you. Maybe that's the part from the five way revenge. I've actually never read it.
1: I haven't read either of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know it was a big inspiration for Nolan. That's one of the things he drew on when he was crafting his version of the Joker. But, uh, I, I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't notice that I found it in the trivia when, this is a random little thing. When Joker grabs a, a wrench off the roof, did you see what the uh, the tools are labeled on the box?
1: Mm-mm. It was Binford. I don't know what that means. Home Improvement? Oh, yeah. I know that show. <laughs> it's Tim Allen. I know that. Yep. it was the Santa Claus. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was the Santa Claus. <laughs> I, I was curious if you're going to remember Binford or not. No, I actually never watched Home Improvement. I did. It was good. I
0: liked it. Yeah. I haven't got back to it. Not sure I
1: would. I had my little my little fun fact. Oh, since you always make fun of me for not knowing voices, yeah, I'm surprised it took me this long to realize it. But I guess we haven't had like a an episode where Bullock talks a lot. Uh-huh. But his voice actor, uh, do you know who he is or what he's famous for? Which I think is hilarious. Um, it's a, it something? Cas- yeah, Robert Costanzo. Yeah, what's he? He is the voice acting Danny DeVito impersonator. <laughs> Wait, what now? So Danny DeVito's in Hercules, my yeah. favorite uh, Disney movie. Yes, and every animated appearance of Phil, this guy does the voice of it. Oh, and even in they had an episode of Family Guy where Dan, where they had a Danny DeVito character come in. Okay, they had this guy do Danny DeVito because I guess he just won't do voice acting. Oh, so he just fills in. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Actually, yeah, he's the the Danny DeVito fill-in. He's the pretend Danny DeVito. Yeah. And like you kinda hear it in Volume. You like, can kinda hear it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was my I was I I was just curious who he was, and I saw like Kingdom Hearts. He's Phil. And and I'm like, I wonder if he was it in the Hercules animated series. And he was. Of course he was. Well, because no way Danavita was coming back for that. Oh god, no. It was 86 episodes of nonsense. I'm glad you know it was eighty-six episodes. I actually looked it up this morning. Okay. You didn't know it off the top of your head. Well, I I was I was researching the Disney curse where um, the Disney curse in the late nineties and early 2000s through the mid two thousands. Um, Disney wouldn't allow a show to be more than 65 episodes, even like very, very popular shows like Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens proud family all have 65 episodes. Exactly. Uh, the show that finally broke it live action was a little different. So like that's a Raven and Hannah Montana both broke it. But the first animated show to break it was Kim Possible surprisingly oh, enough okay. it was supposed to but there was so much fan outrage that six months later they announced the next season why 65 uh that was two uh two seasons worth oh okay to keep um generating new content to so, keep but, up with okay so it's not not a curse it was just that was their strategy. they never let it go right okay they I consider thought, it a curse because like even like even great shows died and people were very upset well they didn't die they were just stopped at 65 Five, mm-hmm. right
0: okay yeah. I, th- I thought by, like a disney curse 65 episodes like there was some reason like 65 was terrible i was like is that your walt died I-, I wasn't even quite sure like why
1: 65 no they would they had very weird season lengths uh i looked up um like i think lilo and stitch was mm-hmm. 35 or 65 episodes oh, Awesome. they weird. had a like a 28 episode season and a 30 whatever that number should be episode season
0: <laughs> to equal 65 uh 37 yeah, that sounds right. Fuck like it. part close. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? That's odd, though. I did, I did not know that. Yeah. This show clearly breaks that mold because there is... It does because the first season... <laughs> the first season is, yeah, 60-something. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, maybe it's 65 episodes. That'd be great. I but it know. wasn't... It was, it's not a Disney show, so it doesn't no, matter. that's true. I'd have to look it up. Okay, so Joker, he's a schemer. Mm-hmm. Is
1: this a good Joker scheme? It's a weird one. Yes. I don't know if it's... I don't think it's good... I know. I don't I don't think it's a good one cuz it's it's just him being crazy for the sake of crazy. Yeah. Which is, it's good to see sometimes. It's nice to see when he doesn't have like everything is fully thought out. And yeah. there's no kind of end goal. It's just like we'll see how long chaos can reign.
0: Mhm. Cuz I was we we were talking the other day about other Joker schemes.
1: Mm-hmm. I was I was going to ask you what yeah. you think is the strangest or the most evil scheme.
0: So I had a, I, I wrote down a list. I, I was kind of from my own memory then I looked around the Internet some lists, too. I think the one that probably resonates with you the most, because I, I read this comic a number of times when I was younger, was uh, the Joker's plot in No Man's Land. OK. Where he kidnaps a whole bunch of orphans and no one knows where they are um but gordon's wife sarah essen gordon sarah gordon um who was in year one Mm -hmm. she figures it out and she like beats everyone else to punch and she gets there and the joker is just like holding a baby and she's got her gun so he tosses the baby at her she catches the baby and drops her gun the joker picks it up shoots her in the head and then just walks out of the room not even laughing like the, the comic panel is literally like blood flowing out of Sarah's head and a baby sitting in it and like their diaper turning red. Cause they're like sitting in a pool of blood. Super, super dark. That's, yeah. But it, it was kind of like this idea that even he didn't find it funny. It was like him being cruel just to be cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than being funny. I mean, so in the long list ones. I think that's the one that I always remember the most is kind of being particularly fucked up. But what about you?
1: Um, the one, I remember reading this comic when it came out, because it was kind of right when I got into comics, and mm-hmm. it's um, Joker, Brian Azello's Azello's Azarello. I was going uh, Azarello? Az- to ask if you had read that. I haven't. I've
0: seen mm-hmm. it every time I go to the comic book store. But
1: yeah. Is it good? I I remember it being good. I, I couldn't tell you many of the details, except for probably the most famous scene from that comic. Joker is kind of in Arkham, and one of his former henchmen rises up the ranks in gotham and he opens his own strip club and while joker's away he hires harley to be one of the strippers oh and joker doesn't take that very well but he basically skins the man from the neck down and throws him out into the audience so he can be seen so people can see him as just a you know as just a pile of meat that's dark yeah that's That's oh man that's super dark and that i I think it's really interesting because that's like you see more of that not like funny crazy but like psychopath
0: crazy well it's kind of like um in the dark knight returns too Mm -hmm. like he kills a shitload of people in that like he poisons the whole studio he poisons a whole bunch of boy scouts Mm -hmm. with cotton candy he just shoots people at random in the tunnel of love like and you get a like a strong reaction to when he's that kind of violent. I mean, just you and I even just reference like the most violent times we can think about him for me. Those, those are important because it shows that Joker is still a horrible person. Yeah. They're kind of less interesting, I guess in some ways though, than like some of his more goofy crimes.
1: Yeah, I guess my favorite one when researching it this morning, I was on a couple of those like top what the fuck moments that oh, joker's yeah. done. And yeah. it was when he just like, Stole a kid's report card and just walked. I saw, away.
0: Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, and I guess it had to do with some with bigger scheme. Yeah, but I saw that too. It's like that's actually that's really
1: funny. Yeah, that's a great one. Like no one is safe from the Joker,
0: not even children in their report
1: cards. Right. Yeah, I,
0: I don't see that ever making it into any of the movies. I hope it does. That would have fit really well in this show, though. Actually, yeah. I don't, as far as I know, they never do it, but maybe we'll be very pleasantly surprised one day mm-hmm.
1: with that little moment. Uh, but uh, any other Joker thoughts? None that I can think of. I know there's, I, I vaguely remember there being a couple good Joker stories in Brave and the Bold, but I wish I could think of them off the top of my head. I haven't even watched that. Or, I should. I've heard it's, it's actually it's so really good. good. Yeah. I'm just it, sad it's, it's off it Netflix. surprised so. me how good it was. Because it didn't look like it. it looked very... It looked very kiddish. Yeah. Because that came out at the same time, like, Disney put out the Avengers show, where they oh, had a, similar characters. Oh, it's a similar animation style. Yeah. yeah. And that one was for, you know, the 6 to 12 audience. Yeah. So I think Brave and the Bold was just kind of lumped in with that. But, but it, it, it was great.
0: It's kind of satirical, though, at points, right? It kind of, like, mm-hmm. makes fun of itself and...
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, because um, Batmite is there. And so whenever oh, Batmite is in an episode, yeah. it's just making fun of the whole series. But there is a string, I think in season two, there's a string of four or five episodes where just everyone dies. And I'm like, this isn't OK. That's best. One up. of them is about the Doom Patrol. OK. And they have broken up because they let a civilian die and they're all dealing with PTSD to, like, in mm-hmm. their own way. And Batman has to get them all back together and kind of heal them. Wow. And I'm like, this is not a kid's episode. This is horrible. Wasn't this also the same show where the
0: Gotham Sirens sang a song about Aquaman's sexual impotence?
1: Probably. Okay.
0: Yeah. Aquaman remember, Aquaman remember, plays a big
1: part in that. In that I remember show. just seeing
0: that one clip once of the show, I'm like,
1: "Oh, this is not what I expected the show to be." Yeah, it's great. For anyone who hasn't who everyone anyone who's been on the fence about watching Brave and the Bold, I highly recommend it if you can find it anywhere.
0: Yeah, I wish it was still up on Netflix. I really want to watch it, but it's mm-hmm. it's gone. Yeah. And I don't like paying for content. Neither do I. That's why I don't. I oh, know. <laughs> a problem for another time. Right. Um, so I guess at this point then move on to Night of the Ninja. Yep. Um I'm gonna try and get through this relatively quick because not that much really happens in this episode.
1: This was
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh basically a ninja is breaking into Wayne affiliate businesses and stealing a whole bunch of money. Uh I did love that when he breaks into the cosmetics place. He opens the safe and there is a there's bags of what i'm assuming are coins and stacks of cash he chooses to steal the coins
1: yeah because this is the 90s he had a <laughs> lot of laundry <laughs> oh, the, you think he just has one black all black ninja suit well, i mean what impresses about that is that that's machine
0: washable i mean that's a that is a really good ninja suit yeah kudos to him all right this guy's smarter than i thought he was okay oh, yeah all right he's actually pretty clever um so it's a whole bunch of places getting robbed. Uh, Bruce goes to the crime scene and recognizes uh, a shuriken that's been left behind. So he flashes back to when he was studying a martial art. I'm not sure which one. I assume it's jujitsu. I it's assume that grappling. too. Um, and he has a sensei, and then there's this this other guy, um, Dai Ken. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna call him Ken. And uh, oh, that's a Street Fighter
1: character. <laughs> Jesus. Wait, Kyodai or Ken? Ken. Ken. Okay, I don't. Were you and Ken? The, I never the, played Street Fighter. That's fine. I was a Mortal Kombat guy. That, you're wrong. Well, let's just keep going. For so many
0: reasons, I'm wrong. Uh, but so, It's like saying you're a Soul Calibur fan. If I knew what that was, <laughs> I would be
1: offended. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'll stop the tangents. No, it's fine. It's my turn. It's my turn to be woefully ignorant about <laughs> cultural touchstone. It's fine. No, Soul Calibur is not a cultural touchstone. It's a blemish okay. on the fighting genre. <laughs> All right, so uh so ken beats the crap out of bruce
0: back in the flashback um but their sensei kind of comes in and it's like what does he even what does he say it's like "Be humble
1: sensei is just like they just stole all of the most generic like buddhist teachings yeah it's this is this whole episode is he says there's always someone better there's there's always someone better this is very karate kid oh so much this is basically a remake
0: of karate kid um, okay, so I'm going to refer to the sensei now as Mr. Miyagi. <clears throat> cool. Uh, yeah, Mr. Miyagi tells off the, the kid, Cobra Kai, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ken. Ken, thank you. Go back to the present. Um, Batman decides to leave Dick behind as he goes to figure out what's going on here. He seems to be taking this very personally. We go back to another flashback mm-hmm. where
1: Bruce is blowing up candles with his sick karate moves. Yeah. Using his chi, I assume, because that's like the most generic thing you do when you're blowing out candles. Yeah, I I know little to nothing about martial arts. And I'm talking about,
0: now about a, a cartoon that is going off of the most stereotypical elements of martial arts. So there's no way it paints any of us in a good light having this conversation.
1: No, all I when like whenever you see a martial artist kind of blowing out candles without touching them, all I think of is the horrible, horrible Dragon Ball Evolution movie that came out in 2004-06-ish. I watched some of that. Good. Don't ever watch it all.
0: Oh, I, th- I think How Did This Get
1: Made did an episode on it. I'm sure they I did. I think. I think that's why my friend and I watched a bit of it. Similar to, if you ever saw The Last Airbender, which also kind of ripped my heart out. Well, yeah, it would. Um, They do this like whole build-up for the Kamehameha Wave, and he like fires it, and just like a candle blows out, and he's so excited, and that's any time I see... A martial art candle scene that's all i think I of think about it. it's just like over hype <laughs> disappointment oh i'm so sorry we me blow up these candles <laughs>
0: i've been hurt before <laughs> so you know bruce is saying in the flashback that he wants to be the best but the sensei tells him um defeat can be more instructive than victory like i said he's just a walking buddhist like he's his platitudes yeah just yeah. just generic platitudes um, and then we're we're back in the present. I'm doing a horrible job summarizing this. Uh, ninjas at win Enterprises. Batman interferes. is going to stop him and mm-hmm. he's going to take him on. Ken has a sword. Batman does not. It seems like they're shaping up for a, like, a good
1: old fight. But, but Ken also has a gun and yeah. just shoots like he, knockout gas he at just Batman.
0: Pulls, he just pulls a, a knockout gas gun out. And yeah. then Robin like jumps in to basically save
1: him. And scares away. Yeah, Ken runs away. Basically. There was a line that I very much appreciated, because not many people know this, where Batman distinguished the difference between a samurai and a ninja. Oh, that's true, yeah. that is a very important thing that people need to understand. A samurai is trained in honor, a ninja is just an assassin that will do whatever they need to do to... Kind of get the job done. Yeah. They're a
0: thief. Basically like this guy. He's just.
1: Yeah. Just, just a total thief. Very important difference. And no. It, you it really is. People need understand
0: that. It is important difference. And yeah. All this guy cares about is money. And so as Ken is running away from a knocked out Batman. Robin throws a batarang. Which cuts open the back of the ninja's shirt. Mm-hmm. And we see a tattoo. The same tattoo we saw in. In the flashback. One of the previous flashbacks. Has. So now Bruce knows it's
1: the same guy. And he starts taking very personally.
0: Yeah. To the point where he won't
1: admit that he's bothered. Right. Fearful, bother, whatever you want yeah, to call so he, it. Yeah, he walks or he kind of closes off everyone around him. He doesn't talk to Alfred or Robin. Robin takes it very personally. The two, uh, Robin and Alfred, have a little chat about mm. how Bruce needs to overcome his fear. It he will never it. admit that he has. Fear yeah, either. never admit that he has a fear. Bruce overhears. He storms off like a little moody child. Yeah. yeah. Um, and goes to an art auction. Yeah, a museum. Yeah, some charity event in a museum. Yeah. Just like every time you see Bruce, he goes to some charity event. Yeah, which conveniently happens to have an armory room with some ancient swords in it. But this was this was a cool interaction. Oh, so while this is all going on, Summer, uh, the reporter, yeah. has been trying to figure out how Bruce is related to all of this. No. So she's kind of following him around. Uh, Bruce leaves. She just gets into his car without like, yeah. any struggle. And while Bruce gets it from the, the hey, car person. Uh, the valet. Valet. Yeah. <laughs> was what I was trying to say, and that wasn't even right. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you see the valet is Ken. Um, and knockout gas again. Knockout gas again. And I did like this ending moment, because it's... Oh, sorry, I think, uh, hang on, we gloss over
0: one thing, which was another flashback, except it was a lot of flashbacks, yeah. and they all blend together, so I totally understand. But it, um, it's we see that... Ken is trying to steal one of the swords mm-hmm. from the dojo and he gets caught by Bruce. And then before they get a chance to fight, cause these guys never actually really fight. The sensei steps in and is like, you're banished. Get the fuck out of here. Um, and Ken just swears vengeance on Bruce. So that's what this whole thing is about is mm-hmm. they have been trying to get vengeance on them. Yeah. So, but yes, then you're right. They go to,
1: uh, like a Wayne warehouse. And it was, it was a cool problem they set up because now, it's the villain. It's also a rare setup because mm-hmm. the villain knows Bruce is Batman and it's a vi- he doesn't know. That Bruce, so he knows he knows that Bruce can fight. Yeah. He knows that Bruce has the ability to fight. Yeah. Uh, but Bruce obviously has not shared that information with anyone else in Gotham. Yeah. Because he, he fights under the persona of Batman. Yeah.
0: He doesn't want anyone to know that he can actually kick some ass. And yeah. Summer's watching all this happen.
1: Yeah. So he's kind of caught in this predicament where he. You know, he's fighting a very well trained martial artist, but he can't kind of defend himself or fight back because it will reveal that he knows, you know, that he can fight Mm -hmm. because how dare a rich person know how to fight (laughs) not to protect himself. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So but Robin has decided that he's going to help out no matter what. Mm -hmm. So he goes and he sneaks into the building and basically knocks a giant
1: rug over summer so she can't see what's going on and um kevin conway does a great job of immediately switching to the batman voice He does, doesn't does he uh and bruce just beats the shit out of ken not really beats the guy; kind of just throws him over his shoulder and yeah. that's it and then ken once again just like runs away yeah
0: and i think that was my big problem with this episode is lots of potential like mm-hmm. this is a cool arc they're trying to set up yeah of batman coming up against someone who's better than him we talked about this uh, last week with uh, with Robin, there's a Teen Titans episode, right? Where it's the same thing.
1: I actually wrote that down because this is very similar to the quest. In yeah, Teen Titans. and I, it's been a while since I've seen the Teen Titans episode. Is it better than this? I think so. I think it's probably my favorite Teen Titans episode. Okay, because this for
0: me, this doesn't work because we never really see them fight. Well, I know he comes back. I know he comes back from another one, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I, even just the the, the arc of the story is supposed to be that a figure from Bruce's past who he knows is better than him so that he Bruce has spent especially as Batman so much time always being the best Mm -hmm. particularly in martial arts we haven't really seen him come across any martial artists so he's the best and when he goes up against the ninja on the rooftop they never actually fight he doesn't really get beaten he's not bested in skill he's just knocked out with a gas gun which is just his usual walking into really obvious traps right problem so for me they didn't set up the dynamic well enough of feeling like Batman was ever actually in peril. In peril. He was ever actually going to lose his guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it just didn't work. And even the flashbacks, anytime we think they're going to fight, it, it stops. It gets cut off. And even time in the present, they're going to fight, it gets cut off. And so it just, I liked the idea of the arc, mm-hmm. but I've seen this done better versions. You know, for you, it was the Teen Titans episode. Even the Batman, like the third episode, is him against Bane. Oh, yeah. And Bane beats the crap out of him. He has to build the the combat suit to go up against him. And, like, you feel this
1: sense of him actually being afraid. I didn't think they did a good job with it on this one. What I... I probably read into this way too much, like I always do. But what I really enjoyed from this episode, it was more of the growing dynamic, or kind of growing frustration between Robin and Batman. Yeah. Uh, Because, obviously, this takes place shortly after Robin's Reckoning. Mm -hmm. And from that episode, I think... Robin no longer sees himself as a sidekick, but he's trying to be treated as an equal. Oh yeah. Um, And kind of, you see that with his dialogue towards Batman and towards Alfred. Like, I don't understand why Bruce is hiding all this stuff from me. Like he's not telling me anything about his past. He wants to go fight alone. Like obviously, you know, he wants to do what I wanted to do, but no one is telling him no. So he can just do whatever he wants. And it's also kind of due to his immature nature um batman still sees robin as the sidekick he doesn't yeah. feel like he has to reason with him it's he his doesn't... rules yeah exactly and so it's kind of this growing tension and it this episode i think is the first time we really see tension between the two uh which i think will ultimately lead to the nightwing yeah him you know quitting robin and
0: and they do have a nice moment together at the end where Bruce. Basically, thanks, Robin, and acknowledges that he couldn't have done it without him. Yeah, in in a very typical like, I'm not actually going to say thank you, but I'm implying it. Right. It's sort the of way. It's the thumb up. Uh, it's like it's not even a full thumb. It's like he like puts his hand out like a mm-hmm. fist, and there's like a slight. Yeah, he gets the idea. It's Like a political thumbs up. <laughs> the the Bush thumbs up. But yeah, the little teeny little thing. Yeah, not quite there. So yeah, it, it didn't overall for an episode didn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. Just because I've seen better versions of it. Yeah, but for kind of a basically this is an episode of the week. Technically, this villain does come back, but it's it's kind of a one off in some ways.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, there was one moment I forgot to mention this earlier mm. when we learned that the ninja is kin They're driving back, and Batman, Batman and Robin are talking in the car, driving back to the mansion. And when he, when Batman's talking about his past. He doesn't say he's a person that I trained with. He's a person that Bruce trained with. I noticed that too. Yeah. I it was very interesting seeing the like r- referring to himself. Yeah. In the third person. But he truly sees Bruce and Batman as two completely separate individuals.
0: Yeah. I did like that little moment. He's like, yeah, it was Bruce Wayne who trained with him. Yeah. I did have one tiny little piece of trivia.
1: Okay. Uh, on this, we'll so I can answer it this time. Oh, I, or, no. yeah.
0: it's it's not it's not a a setup for me to just make fun of you. Okay. Uh, it's the voice actor for the sensei was also the old Chinese magician in the Prestige. He,
1: uh, I I looked I looked him up. He's in a shitload of stuff. He is like my idol of animation. He was in every kind of if there was ever a a wise old man in an animated show he voiced it. He did it. Uh, yeah. he was from what I, if I remember off the top of my head, he was in Jackie Chan adventures. And for one episode, he was in Kim possible for one episode, but they were from like 2000 to 2009, like every big, Oh, Jalen showdown. He was in one or two episodes of it's, it's fine. If you don't remember that show.
0: Yeah. For the listeners, if you heard a whoosh, that was the sound <laughs> of
1: that reference going over my head. Uh, I'm not going to go into Jalen showdown. It's great <laughs> for the people. It's all on Amazon. It's, uh i think has the most stellar voice acting cast i've ever seen oh well wow. it's great delise tara strong tom kenny d bradley baker and and so on so many oh, all the best so good sorry um i talk about <laughs> the show way too much but yeah he he was a very prominent voice actor and yeah looked in that way two th- in the early 2000s yeah
0: the, the only thing i really recognized him from was the prestige. the prestige yeah but but i just like that too it's like oh yeah i like the character in prestige any other thoughts on the episode?
1: Uh, yeah, I was going to go over, because this episode made me very curious about what all martial arts Batman does know. Okay. So I, I read this list earlier, but it, it just makes me so happy just seeing it. So according to his lore, Batman has mastered 127 styles of martial Shit. arts, including Muay Thai, Krav Maga, Kaporia, Yawin, Taekwondo, Judo, Jujitsu, jitsu Ninjitsu, Kendo, Kendo, Fencing, Kenjutsu. Bojutsu, Fran combat, boxing, kickboxing, hapkido, Wing Chun, which is great if, you've seen, if anyone's seen Ip Man, and a lot of others that I just can't pronounce. <laughs> Shaolin, Bagua, Hungar, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, which is great for the Avatar fans out there because those are the ones that the Four Elements are based off of. So basically, Batman is the Avatar. <laughs> Unbelievable. He like that's a, that's a I, lot. I I enjoy the flashback scenes because we do kind of you know I like I like great kung fu movies sure and And,
0: and batman has the potential to be a good kung fu character yeah he just isn't always yeah we don't we always get that from him
1: like just i want i want donnie in the next batman movie that would be awesome since he was great in rogue one that you know what the thing is we might actually see him pop up at some point yeah
0: for that reason alone because yeah now he's more of a household name so go donnie in donnie in batman yeah Yeah. i would would love to see him in there he's he's awesome Mm mm-hmm But, um, okay, so I think that wraps it up for our two episodes this week, which then means Batplug.
1: God damn it. I always... Okay, Um, let's see. (laughs) Uh, Still re-watching Avatar. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so good. Guys, it's so good. I feel like maybe we should do a spinoff
0: podcast where it's, <laughs> it's you talking about how much you love Avatar and I think maybe I should just not watch the episodes
1: <laughs> so and just, just be like the whole time just, just so
0: confused be like what are we what um
1: yeah Cameron explains like, Avatar to idiots I think <laughs> it's not long it's it's only three seasons and I am slowing down at the last you know the last season because I just want to cherish it just a whole Hold more time yeah yeah and it's it's weird. It's one of those shows. I'm sure when you rewatch older shows, I remember what I was doing when I first watched it. Yeah. Because um, the last season of Avatar was was very weird. I don't know if people remember this, but it was released online before it was released on Nickelodeon. Oh, that's odd. Yeah. And it was it was very frustrating. So I would watch it online in school with my friends and I remember we'd be sitting in the chemistry lab because that was the only computer that didn't have, like, teachers monitoring it. Uh, and we'd just sit there and we'd watch, you know, Avatar and we'd freak out over Avatar. And it'd be it was awesome. It was it was great bonding. Uh,
0: that makes me so happy <laughs> that, that
1: everyone else in your high school would be
0: trying to watch, like, porn on the teacher's computer. And you guys are watching Avatar. who no, would ever
1: do that? There's <laughs> cartoons to watch. <laughs> Far more important things to be Far done. more important. Oh, I guess the other big thing that I want to plug is... Um, there's a comic I got for Christmas, which is great. It's called The World of Adina. And oh, it's a yeah. 1960s French comic. Uh, the artist's name is Mobius. Just the coolest name ever. It is a great name. Uh, and I I looked him up a little bit. So he's like famous for uh, solidifying the comic style that we that we're so accustomed to now. But his kind of master because like his opposite of protege mentor mentor <laughs> it's been a long day guys <laughs> uh his mentor was the artist that did tintin which is you know the man who started the Herge. or herge i think so yeah uh also a french artist yeah and comic artist um he's the man who started the modern co- comic style Ooh. So it's cool to see kind of the progression of like refinement and getting to where we are now. Yeah. But it's a cool story. It it was way ahead of its time. It definitely deals with what we're going on, what's going on in the world now. That's oh, like interesting. Robotics, not robotics, but yeah, robotic enhancement mm-hmm. versus natural works. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I,
0: mm-hmm. I will have to check that out. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So uh mine is actually something you gave me which was the rick and morty uh total Rickall it gets you call it a board game a yeah. card game, card but game but it's, yeah yeah so it's based on the rick and morty episode with mr poopy butthole where the house is filled with parasites and you have to figure out which ones are real people and which ones are parasites and we've played a few rounds it is really it's fun really fun mm-hmm. uh also maybe go back and immediately then rewatch watch the episode which is great. Yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend that game. It's it's a little confusing to kind of get started. We were just playing the two of us, but I think especially if you had more people, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty awesome. So definitely go check that out. Yeah. Um, And I think that about does it. Uh, One thing I wanted to do this week was to send out some like, shout-outs and thank yous to people oh, yeah. I know who are actually, actually listening to this. Thanks, uh, guys. Which is nice to know. So uh, I had a lovely Twitter chat. The other day with uh, Rafi Asadi and Luke Forrester. And they were saying how much they like the podcast. And uh, we're giving us suggestions for movies to do. And we had a little talk about the the Timverse comics. So thank you guys for uh, for supporting us and for for being really cool. And then um, I think it's low456 or it's IO456. Does a nice job of retweeting us when we put out episodes. As does the DC Comics. Not the actual DC Comics. But like DC C O M one cs <laughs> Twitter feed to clarify. And uh, he does a great job of just generally promoting kind of fan projects around DC Comics and DC Comics News. So we're getting we're getting some like love on Twitter from like the DC fan base. Thanks guys. Which is awesome. Uh and then some personal friends of mine. I know Todd, you listen every week. Um when you're listening to this it'll probably be on your commute home. And it went long. So I hope you had a longer commute than normal. But uh thank you for always listening. I'm hoping to get you on here at some point talk about Nightwing. Um and then our friend Vasilius from Nerdist. He also I think
1: listens to it. If not, he at least like says nice things to us on, on Facebook. <laughs> so we appreciate and that. he also so. has a, an awesome podcast called Tol- Tolkien Takeaway. Oh, yeah. Uh, if anyone out there is a Lord of the Rings fan, he goes over the philosophy of rings and how they relate to everyday life. Oh, that's awesome. I you know I haven't listened to it because I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan, but well, I, I think it's I mean, I don't think you have to be. It's great okay. for kind of anyone that just like, you know, needs a little. A little bit of philosophy for the day. Okay. I do
0: I do like me some philosophy. So mm-hmm. I've only seen Lord of the Rings. Especially Ring nerdy
1: once. philosophy. Oh, it's that. what I relate to okay. the most. All right.
0: I love nerdy philosophy. All right. I'll add that into my, another plug there. I'll add that into my, my podcast queue.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Anyone you want to send out thanks to? Uh, yeah. Trey. Trey, thanks for listening. You're also probably listening to us on your commute home. Uh, and Lauren, thanks for always talking to me about Nightwing's butt. <laughs> it's, we have it's a good thing. a lot of conversations about that. It's a great butt.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lauren always likes all of our photos on Instagram mm-hmm. and stuff. Lauren's so, the tea. yeah. So, thanks, Lauren. That's awesome. But, yeah, I think that basically does it. So, if you're listening to this, I suppose you already know how to find us on social media because we were just acknowledging people who have found us on social media. But, yeah, we're at Tim Talk Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram account. We have a Gmail account that I don't even check. So, I don't <laughs> think anyone else has sent anything to it. Um, and if you give a shit,
1: which you shouldn't, I'm at Lordifer. Uh, And I'm at Cameron Dexter on everything. Yeah. Actually, I I just found out. It's Cameron.dexter on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) I never knew that. (laughs) You you never knew that about your own? Nope.
0: I've always told people it's just Cameron Dexter. Guys, we are expert here at self-promotion.
1: I I mean, I wouldn't say that's my job, but unfortunately... (laughs) Well, Social media promotion is what I do professionally. That, yeah, that sort of does your do job. Well. <laughs> yeah. But it's not what you do personally. Right. So one could be forgiven. <laughs> uh, All right. But as always, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, and we'll thanks. see you next week. Thanks, bye.